Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. For Inside Carolina, this is Taylor Vipolis, and I'm joined by former Tar Heel quarterback and tight end and current Tar Heel radio analyst, Deems May. Deems, first, thanks for joining me, as you always do this time of the week, and Second, what did we learn about this North Carolina team, in your opinion, with them going stride for stride with Clemson, the number one team in the country, the defending national champions, and basically coming right down to the wire with them? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is we're not that far off, especially um, with our first 11 on both sides of the ball, um, to be able to go toe-to-toe with them and you know you saw a little bit of the depth and and they were they were good they were a little bit faster on defense at the end of the game but uh man uh it, it was an exciting ball game um really proud of how how we reacted uh how we came out ready and um and just took and went toe-to-toe with them I just the fight as disappointed as I was the week before with 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 our offensive line up front uh, they just they came out and fought this game and and man it was it was fun to watch and, and if we play like that we have a chance to win the rest of our, our 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 games and and you know if we come out like we did against Wake and App State we got a chance to lose every every one of them so this team found out that they're good enough to play you know with the elite and uh, they just got to be able to, to prepare like they did for this week for for all the remaining games starting this week in Atlanta. Yeah, to me this game, like you said, it showed to me Carolina can play with anybody in the country when they have a great week of practice, a great week of preparation. I think their their level of uh, focus was a little sharp in this week, knowing that a team like Clemson was coming to town. I think the home field advantage helped them out. But when you have a team like Clemson coming in, your focus is going to be is going to be locked in. And now Carolina just has to be able to translate that to games like Georgia Tech, two games like Duke and NC State. Starting with Georgia Tech this weekend, the Yellow Jackets have lost two straight games to the Citadel and Temple, and Carolina's now up to a 10-point favorite. This is as close to a must-win for Carolina as it could get, right, if if their end goal is trying to get to a bowl game? Oh, without a doubt. Um, Just, just, you know, we've lost three in a row, so no matter how you look at it, three in a row is three in a row, and and you've got to find a way to beat a team that's in a transition, and and they're, they're in a much bigger transition than than we are from uh, from Larry to Coach Brown. And um, just because of the makeup that they have for that team, that triple option that, that Paul Johnson ran so well, and then for them to be able to come in and, and just establish a total new uh, offensive system and defensive system, um, they're, they're, they're just they're lagging behind and, and had some tough losses. But make no mistake, they'll come ready to play, and our, and our history is not very good down there. So we have got to prepare like we're going to play Clemson, even though we're going to play Georgia Tech. UNC, like you mentioned, has struggled with just two wins in Atlanta since 1997. Just two wins the past 11 attempts. Is that something that becomes kind of mental for the team, or is that kind of just a a fluke type stat? Uh, that's a good question. I don't really know. It's just it's some places you just don't play that well, and for some reason, a lot of it had to do with with preparing for that triple option, and 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 because Paul Johnson was there quite a while, but. Even going back before that, obviously the success hasn't been there. But I don't know. These guys on our team probably are too young. They probably don't really remember that, and it shouldn't be that big of a factor going down there, knowing that that if the end goal is to get to a bowl game this year and the end goal is to 
maybe see Clemson again at the end of the season, uh, this is a must win as, as it gets for sure. Do you have any memories from Atlanta from your playing days? You you faced them twice in Atlanta. Yeah, Marco Coleman. I remember he was a really good player and ended up he and I ended up being teammates on the Chargers. But uh other than the varsity, uh eating the good hamburgers on the varsity on Friday night and um and and playing not a whole lot of memories down there, but uh just I remember one good player, Marco. Can you uh, this wasn't in Atlanta, but I was when I was looking back and researching the UNC Georgia Tech game and the the Georgia Tech series, how did North Carolina and Georgia Tech tie in 1990? Oh man, that was a year they won the national championship with a tie. Um, we just I, I think we blocked a punt or something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but they were coming in and they were really good. And I, I kidded Coach Ross about it, Bobby Ross, because they were the coach and Ralph Friedman was my coach and in San Diego and, and they pretty much beat us up and down the field, but somehow we got a tie on them. And, and that year was the year after uh, two straight one in 10 seasons. So I think we finished six, four and one that year and seven and four the following year did not go to a bowl game. So uh, that, that, that was a tough part about it, but um, that was a little bit of a, I, I don't know if that was a coming out, you know, uh, of, of coach Brown and, 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 and when we were getting this, this worm turn, this program turn, but, but to tie the national champs, I think they went on to tie Colorado for the national championship and share it. So uh, that was kind of when that was kind of the turning point of our program when we were really starting to play with the good teams. Going back to my playing days, my most memorable moments from Georgia Tech, 2015, um, down 21 nothing. The fans were starting to kind of talk a little louder to us. They had a little confidence. They're kind of right on top of you at Georgia Tech Stadium. And then we kind of just rallied together. Landon Turner did a great job getting guys to believe in believe in ourselves because no team, I don't think, in school history had ever come back from 21 points. And then I remember going into that game, everybody was talking about how North Carolina always struggles in Atlanta. And like you had mentioned before, our our whole mindset was, you know, the 2013 team has nothing to do with us. The, the 2011 team has nothing to do with us. And I think what you'll see on Saturday is this North Carolina team trying to distance them, themselves from the 2017 team that was there because that was the other time that I was there as a member of the staff. And that was that was not pretty. They were up, I think, like 20-something points at the time, and their backup quarterback was in still still running over guys. And it was it was one of those trips where you were just counting down the final seconds until you could get back on that bus to Chapel Hill. But is there any potential for an emotional letdown? North Carolina, they played Clemson so tightly, came right down to the wire, a game that they really had to get up for. And now you're going on the road to Georgia Tech, who they're transitioning to a new system. Their fans don't really have that high expectations for them. You know, you don't know how that atmosphere is going to be. So if you're North Carolina, is there a potential for a letdown? And how do you avoid that? I think you just got to go back to the Wake Forest game. That wasn't too long ago. And, and, and we went into a team, that, and I think Wake Forest is pretty good. Um, but we still went in there thinking we were a lot better than we are. So hopefully we've learned a lesson because that, that wound is, is still pretty fresh. And, and, and I know it'll be talked about a lot this week. And I know, I know Coach Brown, will, I know the coaching staff will do as much as they can to avoid any kind of letdown. But again, we got to have, we got to have players step up and be leaders as well. And the guys have got to be ready because it comes down to, being ready Friday night, being ready when you get up Saturday morning, it's a little bit of a, a, you know, a wait till four o'clock, but you just cannot come out and give a team that is struggling any confidence. 
And uh, we need to start like we had uh, against Clemson and, and against App State, but we need to sustain it again like we did against Clemson and, and find a way to get, get another uh, ACC win and, and, and get a break. You know, just somehow find a way to win this ball game and get a week off and, and see if we can heal up a little bit and, and come back and, and go try to win the Coastal. Let's take a quick break to talk about Johnny T-Shirt. Johnny T-Shirt has been a Franklin Street tradition since 1983. Family and alumni owned and operated. They've got you covered with everything gear-wise you need for Carolina football. They've got your jerseys. They've got your Return of the Mac T-Shirts. They've got your tailgating supplies. Basically, whatever you want, Johnny T-Shirt has it. You could visit them on Franklin Street or you could visit them online at johnnytshirt.com. And don't forget, Inside Carolina subscribers get 10% off their orders. All right, let's get back to the interview with Deems. Reflecting on this team, we're, we're now five games into the season. What would you say the strengths of this team are? Oh, man, um, that's a good question. Um, there's no quit in them for sure. Um, the way the way we fought, I mean, every game has been down to, to the last play of the game. And, and these guys just seem to, they seem to, to, to really just get up for it and get ready to go. And, and, and they just, there's just no quit in them. And, and I tell you, I saw some fighting offensive line. I saw some, some young kids step up on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, special teams are getting better. Our punters getting better. Um, I just think that, that I, the thing you, you like about this team is, is, is they look like they're having fun. They look like they're getting after it. And, uh, and man, if they didn't have fun Saturday, you, they're in the wrong sport because that, that, that was the, one of the best atmospheres. Our crowd's been great. There's just so many good positive things right now uh, that they're, they're kind of hard to believe that they are so positive with, with, with three straight losses. But somehow there is. And, man, our fans were loud and causing uh, all sides, and it was just a great atmosphere. And I think I just like the general overall, you know, feel of this team and, 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 how, they, and how they respond to adversity and, 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 and how the crowd's gotten behind them. And, and again, uh, we'll need that when, when we get back in Keenan in a few weeks. But somehow they have to – kind of add this up, put their, put their best game, you know, together each week and, and get better each week. And somehow that's got to start at Georgia Tech and somehow get out of Atlanta with a win and, and then kind of get to regroup. So I just think the overall mindset and just like the, the, the just the whole body of the whole football team and, and the crowd and everything else was just great Saturday. I just there's something about it. That just I can't pinpoint right now, but just like this team a lot for sure. Somebody that's contributed to that change in the mindset Sam Howell at quarterback under pressure. We talked about this a couple podcasts ago where that wake forest kind of set the blueprint for, you know, how to attack Sam Howell with putting a lot of pressure on him. <clears throat> Sam Howell under pressure against Clemson. He was seven of eight, 89 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions had his best game under pressure by far. How is that something that he can kind of build on moving forward? Oh, easy. I mean, you played, I mean, arguably, I don't, I don't think we're going to see a better defense. And, and the way they were rotating people in and out, and they moved very, very well. I mean, they could run. They tackled well. They were in the right spots. But, man, he's just – he's a player. He extends some plays, and, and, he, and, he, and he doesn't panic. And, and each game he's getting better. Uh, he's getting a little quicker through his progressions. Um, he's finding that guy when, when the first two are closed down because, they, let's face it, Clemson, you know, they, they, they shut us down. And, again – the offensive line stepped up, and he had some time. I think he got sacked a couple times, but but man, there were some times in there where he he could get to that second, third option. And and when you start getting that happening, then 
then you're going to have some confidence in, in, in your offense and, and in your offensive line that you're going to be able to, to get through your first and second read and, and get to the third one. And a couple of those uh, big-time third-down conversions and the touchdown were, I think, second and third options a couple of times. So that's just a positive for sure going forward. I remember when people this offseason would compare Sam Howell to Baker Mayfield. I was like, oh, come on, guys. You're comparing him to – you're comparing a true freshman to a Heisman Trophy winner, but you can see the similarities in their game in in the sense that a lot of times they can make something out of nothing, and the the confidence the team plays behind those guys, you just always feel like you have a chance in a game, and you can make enough plays to get a win behind those guys, kind of. Yeah, I tell you, they everybody's everybody was stepping up, but man, he just, he, he's got that little bounce to a step that you knew before we even, you know, I just saw it in camp and a couple of scrimmages and, and he just, he just seems like he's, he's, he's comfortable back there. And, uh, and, and the guys know they're going to get, you know, he's, he had a couple drops, you know, that, that were probably his fault. I mean, he's, he gets pumped up in there and he had some mustard on the ball a couple of times. It would have been tough catches for anybody, but the more he gets used to maybe putting a little bit more touch on it, but, but sure does make plays when it happens. And these receivers are stepping up and 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 knowing that, that if they keep working, he'll find them somehow. And and I, again, back to the offensive line, they know if they give him a chance to get to the second, third one. If the first one's closed, uh, then then we're going to get some first downs and move the chains. And, and it happened Saturday. Yeah, when Clemson took the lead in the fourth quarter, I think in the past Carolina would have had the mindset of you know, oh man, like here we go, we we played this great game, and now we're facing an uphill battle, but Sam Howell just responded with a 16 play 75 yard touchdown drive. And just, just the confidence he's playing, he's going to give Carolina a chance to be in a lot of these games coming down. But on the flip side of when you're talking about the strengths of this team, what would you say the weaknesses are or where this team still has to improve going forward? Well, you know, I, just depth, period. We've talked about that a lot the first few weeks of the season. Just having enough depth that when you have a Patrice Renee go out or, or you know, any of these guys that have gone out, that, that the drop-off isn't that far. And some of these young guys stepped up big time Saturday. And, and I think Storm Duck and, and Tamari Fox and uh, and gosh, Cameron Kelly, three, three true freshmen started. So uh, just building the depth, you know, we've got to continue to recruit our way into some good depth like Clemson had and, and continue to get better and, and win some of these 50-50. I think the 50-50 balls have really hurt us. Um, we have not done well the last three three weeks of getting any of those 50-50 balls. And, and I tell you what, Dre's got them in good position. They just got to go learn and make the play because a couple of these receivers have taken advantage of us some. And and then if we get up and, uh, and, and start winning some of these 50-50 balls and maybe get a few picks, and, then that would be one area I, I could see us – uh, really need to to improve on um, just running the ball downhill a little bit better. Um, I think we, again, we, we did the first play of the game last week. I mean, I think we had nine yards straight at the middle. I mean, we were shoving them, in, and I, you get going like that and get get our offensive line where they believe that they're going to knock people off the ball. Um, then we have a good shot in every game left. So I, I would say continue to work on our running game and 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 outside on the perimeter to get some of these 50-50 ball jump balls that, that these quarterbacks are throwing up on us. Going off a point you just made, last year, Carolina's secondary, they got picked on a numerous amount of times. And like you mentioned, this year, they're at least in the right spot to make plays. They've made a lot more plays. A guy like Miles Wolfolk with three interceptions, 
how big of an impact do you think bringing Dre Bly has been to those players' confidence? I think they had some of those seniors, they've had four position coaches in four years. And how big is it for those guys to have a guy like Dre Bly teaching them and knowing, hey, you know, if I listen to this guy, he's a Super Bowl champion. He was an All-American at Carolina. He's been here before. He knows what he's saying. How big has he been for that position group? I think it's, it, I mean, if you ever, if you ever know, I've known Dre a long time and he doesn't lack any confidence. And, and I tell you, it's spilled over to his players now and, and he's got them believing in themselves and in the right spot. And I think Jay Bateman's done a great job all the way across the board on defense of having guys in the right spot. We haven't tackled as well as we should. And we talked about that ad nauseum and don't need to get back into that, but that'll come with depth. But uh, just in the secondary, there's just, there's a bounce to their step. They're in the right spots. And, and I mean, as we talked about forever last couple of years, um, post-game shows and just too many people were running down the middle of the field wide open and, and you knock on wood. Right now, that's not happening. We're, we're covering them and now we just got to go make some plays. And, and Miles has done it. We'll get some other guys to do it for sure. But, but they sure are in the right spot and, and, and they believe in themselves. And, and that's, you got to give all the credit to, to Dre and, and Coach Bateman for, for getting them in the right spots. When you look at this team as a whole, are there any specific players that you've seen kind of emerge? We know about the guys like Aaron Crawford and Jason Strobridge and the Sam Howells, but is there anybody kind of flying under the radar in your opinion? Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he's flying under the radar, but he's my favorite player, and that's that's Chas Surratt. I just – I tell you, that guy could have entered the portal. He could be, you know, trying to play quarterback somewhere else, but he loved the school and he stayed. And, and man, he is just flat balling. I said it on the radio afterwards. I just – he he's he's a football player. He's a baller, and as soon as he learns to tackle a little bit more, as soon as he the more the the tackle better, and the more he gets the feel for that linebacker role, I think he's going to be a staple in there for a long time. But I couldn't be prouder of a of a player after watching just having him come in and 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 embrace a new position. And not only has he embraced it, he's really good. And I mean, and he has got some serious closing speed. And he closed out on a couple passes. Uh, uh, last uh, on Saturday and, and, and close in on Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he is a fast, quick dude, and I can't wait to watch him as he gets more and more experience. Yeah, he's definitely been one of the best stories, not just on this UNC team, just in all of college football this season. Against Clemson, he had seven tackles, a sack, two tackles for a loss, three quarterback pressures, two pass breakups. I remember this offseason – I saw Chaz in Chapel Hill and I said, you know, you're switching a linebacker, really? And he said, I could go to the NFL. I know I could do it playing linebacker. And at the time, I, I kind of thought it was crazy. But watching him, he's going to get a shot to play on Sundays just with how athletic he is, right? No doubt. No doubt. He'll be – I think he'll have a long career. Uh, he would be one of the ones um, that, that's going to be a staple on special teams in the NFL. I mean, if you watch him run down on kicks for us, I mean, he's the first one to the 30. Uh, he's learning that linebacker position, um, man. If, and his speed and size—I mean, he's he's the perfect perfect size right now. And and I, I just had no idea he was so fast. I knew he was fast, but I didn't know he's just got instincts already for closing on the ball. And um and that's hard to teach. And if he's got it naturally, then yeah, I think he's got a long NFL career ahead of him. You switched from quarterback to another position and also had a great deal of success. Is it just a case? If you're an athlete, you can find somewhere to be successful on the field. 
I don't know about athletic, but I tell you, if you love the game and and you and you really enjoy every bit of it, then yeah, you can you can you can learn just about any position. You you got to be blessed with size for sure, and Chaz sure is, and and I was too, and and uh and you got to have a little you know you got to have a little nastiness to you where where you're getting in there and you and you like it and you like the contact and 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 you just want to play and 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 that equated to a long career for me mainly on special teams, but. It started with uh, with Tim Brewster taking me from quarterback and putting me as a tight end, and and we started a long list of uh, of great tight ends that came out of out of University of North Carolina under Coach Brew, and I, I I see that continuing too with the guys we have now. But it's more about just loving to play the game, finding a place, and 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 loving just playing with teammates and and wanting to be on the field, you know. And if you're not good enough at one position, then go try another one and and find a way to get on the field. And and that's what Chaz has done, and he's going to turn out to be a star for sure. Going back to a couple other specific players that I've seen emerge that I just wanted to kind of give a quick shout out to on the defensive side of the ball. I'm not sure if it's, you know, these players were just ready to take the next step or if it was Jay Bateman's scheme, putting them in the right spot or, you know, just it's probably some combination of the two. But a guy like Alan Cater in his senior year, I thought he did a really good job against Clemson when he couldn't get to Trevor Lawrence. He had the the understanding to get his hands up and be dis, uh, be disruptful um, in the passing lanes and batting down a couple balls at the line. I thought Alan Cater played really well, a guy coming off a season-ending injury last year. And, you know, when you yeah. when you lose an entire season to injury, that, that takes a toll on you mentally. And just seeing him bounce back on the field, he only played 21 snaps on defense, but the 21 snaps he did play on defense – those were meaningful reps. Yeah, and I tell you one that really, really gets in my crawl was uh, the quarterback uh, draw for the touchdown. Cater was in the perfect position right in the A-gap, and the Clemson guard reached out and just grabbed him and pulled him to the side. And it was I was sitting on the other side, in the blue zone, on the other side, and saw the hold in the middle of the field from, from my seat. So I know – I know it was just a blatant hole, but if you go back and look at that one right there, he was in the right spot. He made some good plays all day long. If we stop him right there and, and, and they just kick a field goal instead of the touchdown, who knows? But, I mean, that was just one of the most blatant holes, and he was in the right position. So, yeah, I, I think all these guys have accepted their roles no matter how much. Antonio Williams, for example, what a great leader. and He's not getting that many carries. His time will come. Cater, 21 snaps, but when he's in there, you know, they're making plays. And, again, that goes back to – what we were talking about, just the overall feel of this team and how, how close they are and how excited they are, you know, to be together and be out there. And, and that's something that's, that's, that's resonated from, from just watching the first five games. The offensive line, they had a much better game. And I don't think it's a coincidence they had Charlie Heck back on the offensive line. He played the entire game with a cast on his hand, playing his best game of the season. What does that say about, you know, his fight and his toughness and his dedication to this team where the trainers told him, you know, it's going to hurt. You can't hurt it any worse, but he still wanted to be out there with his guys. Yeah, it just, you know, just hats off to him. Again, you got to love the game. You want to be in there. You know, it's it's a, it's not an easy game. It's a nasty game, and you, you sometimes you have to play hurt. And, and there's a big difference between, you know, just playing hurt and, and being truly injured. And, and you got to step up and, you know, what what great leadership. And, man, he's just so technically sound. He just – if you just watch his sets, they're, they're so fun to watch. And and he, he got after it. I mean, these guys were rolling the people in, you know, every other play. They were rolling guys in 
our offensive line as a whole, I think, I think really grew up and, and, and had a lot of fight in them and, and uh, really proud of all of them because I did not think they did very well against Appalachia State in the turnaround on a week's notice against the number one team in the country with all the depth they had and, and really, really, I, I'm almost going to say outplay them, maybe not all the way, but man, they, they improved a ton. Okay, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. One of the first things that Dabo gave credit to in his postgame press conference, Jay Bateman. What have you seen from Jay Bateman's defense, how he's just constantly evolving his approach with this team in terms of schematics and, you know, rotating guys in and out and just putting the guys in the best position to make plays? Because that's something that we haven't seen in Carolina since probably the Butch Davis days, the team that could put together a great defense. And Clemson was held to their lowest point total and their lowest yardage total since I'm pretty sure they played Alabama in the national championship. Yeah, I tell you, he's the thing that we talked about. Everybody just seems to be in the right spot, you know. And then he'll bring people from from different areas. And but but our gap technique, our and and where we are, um, you know, with the exception of of a couple plays where sometimes we lost contain against App State when we needed that quarterback down. Um, that those are just a few. I mean, for the most part, we're in the right spot. And if we continue to to build depth and continue to be able to to, to to, to get these guys in the right spot and get them some rest, you know, and start rolling them in and out so they're fresher in the fourth quarter, uh, especially with all these hot games we played, um, we're going to be okay. And I, I just know that that uh, it's just so much – I mean, how many times did, did we get off the field in the second half? You know, when, when our offense was struggling, Clemson's D was playing good, we found a way to get off on third down, and we stopped them on fourth down, and we got a turnover. And, and those are the type of things we talked about in the pregame about the only chance you're going to have to beat a Clemson was to get a couple turnovers and, and get after them. But, man, we stoned them pretty good up on D, and I tell you, I hope, just, I hope Coach Bateman stays a long time, that's for sure. How is Carolina? Because you know Jay Bateman is going to get offers after this season. Is that something that Mac has to be focusing on now, or – is it just a case of, you know, when that time comes, Mac will do whatever it takes to keep him there? <laughs> yeah, I think it's a little premature right now because, you know, but I, he'll, he surely will get calls. And, and I tell you, Chop Hill's not a bad place, and, and these assistant coaches love it. And, and you know, it'd have to be – I'm sure I'm sure that there, there could be some big boys come calling with a lot of money, but but I, I think I think Jay likes it, Chop Hill. I think he likes building what we're building, and, and you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But – I like that. I like your coaches being coveted. I think it's it, it says a lot about your program. So you want your coaches, especially your coordinators, to get head jobs. And and if that happens, that's great. It just happens. But you know, you don't. The one thing you don't want is a lateral move. And 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 I tell you, I just think that, that he likes it here. And I'm sure if we have to pay him, we'll we'll, we'll go find the money and pay him. But um, you know, right now I think there's there's more things that that, that Coach Brown's worried about than than somebody poaching him so soon. He keeps uh, building this defense up. He's going to get a statue out in front of Keenan. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll raise the money for it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> one, one area that Carolina has really been battered, the secondary. Miles Wofolk was out last week. Cameron Kelly left the Clemson game. You want to take that next man up approach, but you're slowly running out of people to be that next man up. How big of a challenge is that going to be for Carolina where – you know, they put somebody in and the next guy gets hurt. They put somebody in and the next guy gets hurt. And then you're you're starting to look down at the end of the bench. And those guys are obviously not in the game because you weren't as confident in their, in their abilities. 
So how is the staff going to kind of manage that as more and more people go out in that secondary? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't think we're going to. I, well, I can't. We can't go out and get anybody from you know uh, from the student body. I don't think so. We're just going to have to play who can play, and and some guys that maybe play corner have to play safety or safety play corner, and, and just you just got to go with what you got. It's tough because I, I know I know Cameron Kelly had he, he had a good game, and Storm Duck had a good game. You know, it just uh, you just got to play who's available. I really don't know how to a- address it until you can start building more depth in the off season, and hopefully we'll get some of these guys back. I know we're not going to get Patrice back, but or, or and it doesn't sound like Kelly may be back, but you never know on the other guys. So hopefully, hopefully you know we can get 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 a victory, get get to this bye week, and kind of regroup and find out who can play. We've said it since the first podcast that the goal of this team should be a bowl game. And when you're looking at the schedule, this game against Georgia Tech starts the first of five straight coastal games. So when you're looking at this schedule, and Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, Duke, Virginia, Pittsburgh is coming up. How are you kind of approaching it in terms of your bowl outlook? So cliche, but it's just you got you got to win one one game at a time. Um, I mean, obviously, Virginia Tech's down a little bit. Georgia Tech's down a little bit. Duke is not down. I mean, they played lights out up at Virginia Tech. I heard, and uh, you know, Virginia's got a great quarterback. They're ranked. NC State will play the best game of the career, the best game of the year for them, um, for sure. And they know that all they have to do is beat us, and and their coach gets a you know a contract extension. And that's just those are just the facts. So I hate to be cliched, but you just you got to you can't look at anything right now, but but Georgia Tech and say, all right, let's find a way to get this one, find some time off, and then go go on to the next one. Yeah, I think the Clemson game showed that Carolina can contend with anybody. There isn't a game on their schedule that they should be scared about going forward. They they got through the hard part of their schedule with Clemson and Miami and South Carolina, App State, Wake Forest, all all teams that are either they have a lot of talent or it's a team that's been together for quite some time. So I think, like you said, if you just approach it every game, like it's it's your Super Bowl and you come in with that laser focus and that mentality, there isn't a game on Carolina's schedule that they can't win. Uh, I totally agree. And, and <clears throat> there's only only 12 games on the schedule. So uh, uh, this isn't basketball, this isn't baseball where you can, you know, you, you can afford some losses. You, you only have 12 games and you need to get up every single one of them and you can't have any more letdowns. And, and hopefully we've learned a lesson from from coming out extremely flat at, at Wake Forest. And, and I think somewhat, too, against Appalachian State. And then flip side of that, coming out and playing way over our heads and playing great and, and taking the number one team down to a two-point play to win. So there's got to be a constant uh, effort to, to make sure that you come out the same way you did against Clemson, especially starting this week. We'll see how North Carolina plays on Saturday, 4 p.m. at Georgia Tech on the ACC Network. And then Deans will catch up next week. It was a great time talking to you today. Okay, man. Talk to you. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.